1 John chapter 3, verse, uh, verse 16. I, I got a question for you this morning. How can you know that God loves you? <clears throat> How can a man or a woman know that God loves them? You know, it's a, that's, that's an honest question. I mean, you, you, you know, and I've had men actually ask me this question that, uh, how, how could God love me? How could God love And the reason why they would ask that is they know deep down in their heart how wicked a sinner they really are. Now, some of us are hard to, some of us are, are so self-righteous, we don't want to admit how bad we really are. But when we start thinking of a holy God, we start thinking, how can God, who's holy, love somebody like me who knows everything I've done? They really question that. Well, let me, we're going to answer that question this morning. How can we know that God loves us? Look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because He laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. You know how you, know, how you can know that God loves you? You can know that God loves you because He died for you on the cross. That's how you can know that God loves you. It's just that simple. Look at, look at, look at chapter 4, same, same, same book, chapter 4, verse 9. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. How can you know that God loves you? John said there uh, that we perceive it. We perceive it. Look at verse, uh, chapter 4, verse uh, 9. And this was manifested the love of God toward us. How's that? Because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Amen. How did God manifest His love to the world? So many people, how did God, we know that God loves us. How do you know that God loved me? Look at the cross of Calvary. Look at what God did for you on the cross. Look at what the sacrifice He did for you. That's where it's manifested. God's love's not manifest when Jesus Christ is walking, doing all kinds of healing. Those, are, those miracles are wonderful. Those, those miracles, those parables are wonderful that Jesus Christ said. The miracles He did are wonderful. But that doesn't show you that God loves you. That shows you that Jesus Christ loved that person right there. It's like the old saying here. If you was to put my name right here, for if Keegan shall call upon the name of the Lord, Keegan shall be saved. If you put my name right there, you know what I would think? I would think he was talking about another Keegan. It can't be me. But that's not what it says. It says, for whosoever. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's whoever. It's, you, you, we're so wicked we try to make excuses for God's love and God is love. And he manifests that out right there at the cross of Calvary. Look at verse 10. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That's how you can know God loves you. God loves you because he died for you. That's how you can know God loves you. And you see it says there that he sent, he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That's a big, huge word, Brother Raymond. Propitiation, that means, propitiation, let me read you the definition of that because I don't know what it means. Is the act of appeasing wrath and conciliating the favor of an offended person. Jesus Christ makes everything right between you and God. 
So what you, if you were here last Sunday, you, you, you've already heard these verses, but what you might not realize, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you're not born again, God's wrath abideth on you. You're bound for a devil's hell. God's wrath abideth on you. That's John chapter 3, verse 36. Jesus Christ said in John chapter 3, verse 18, that he that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. God's wrath is abiding on you if you're not a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. And that's what that propitiation is. That's what he does. Jesus Christ makes everything right between you and God. <laughs> Praise the Lord for that. Look at verse 14, same, same chapter. I'm, I'm doing the first thing, I'm, I'm laying down this groundwork this morning, brothers and sisters, to show you that God says in the scripture how you can know that he loves you. Look at verse 14. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Man, Jesus Christ didn't come in here just to show us how to do it. And he did. Jesus Christ didn't come into this world just to be a, a healer and to be a physician, which he was. Jesus Christ wasn't sent into the world just to be a, a teacher, which he was. Jesus Christ was sent into the world to be the Savior of the world. And the, and the place where he saves the world was at the cross of Calvary, where he put his precious body and his precious blood on that cross. That's when he became the Savior of mine and yours, the Savior of the world, whosoever. Whosoever, verse 15, shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. Amen. You know who doesn't confess that Jesus is the Son of God? Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons. Those two people right there, those, those two cults right there will not confess that Jesus is the Son of God. When you say that Jesus is the Son of God, what you're saying is that Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh. That's what you're, what you're confessing there. You're, say, you're saying that Jesus Christ is God walking around in the flesh. And that's the two, the two people, the two cults that won't admit that are the Jehovah's Witness and the Mormons. They won't confess that, that Jesus is the Son of God. If you don't believe me, ask them. See what they have to say. Verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. Amen. You see what that means? Well, the world twists that. The world takes that and twists that. The world tries to say, love is God. Love is... No. Uh, uh, uh. God is love. That means that God defines love. You don't get to define love. And they'll run around and say, love is love. And if I, if I love another man or if I love an animal or whatever I love, that's, that's real love. As long as it's love. No, you don't get to define love. God gets to define love because God is love. You get that? You can't, you can't twist it around. And so many people get this twist around. The world thinks lust is love. The world is so perverted, they think lust is love. No, that's not love, that's lust. Love is defined by God. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. We believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ saves us. The Holy Spirit comes in and starts dwelling on us. And that's God in us. And we start having that love 
that God has in us. Anytime I have a love for a, 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 my fellow brother or sister, I have any kind of love, that's not kicking. <laughs> I don't naturally love things. I naturally have a hateful spirit. I'm, na- I'm naturally just the kind of guy that is spiteful. Murphy's Law, if it's something bad going to happen, it's going to happen. I'm just that kind of guy. So anything you see in me that shows, uh, you see any kind of love in me, that's not me. <laughs> that's Jesus Christ in me coming out. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Verse 17, herein is our love made perfect. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. I'm, I, it's very bold to say that I can't wait to stand before Jesus Christ. That's pretty bold. And some people don't like that. How can you be so bold to say that, Brother Keegan? I'm bold because I know Jesus Christ loves me. And I know it in here. And I know when I see Jesus Christ, I'm not seeing a judge. I'm seeing a friend. When I see God the Father, I'm not seeing a judge. I'm seeing a father. My son's not scared to see me. My son comes up to see me. He's bold. He comes right up to my face. He gives me a hug. He knows I love him. That's perfect love. That makes us bold in the day of judgment. Look at verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Guys, if you're afraid, it's because you you're not perfect in God's love. God doesn't want you to be afraid that you're going to die and go to hell if you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. That's not God's will. God's will for you, if you're one of His children, is to know His love and to know He's got good things coming. And those promises are coming. I don't want my son to be afraid of anything about me. I want my son to know that when he's with me, he's protected, and he's got, everything's going to go good for him. I've got his back, and I'm, be- I'm behind him, and it's an unconditional love. And that's the kind of love that God's got for us. It's a perfect love. And that perfect love there in verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. And if, you don't, if you're afraid, even if you've received Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, and you're born again, and you're afraid that God's going to cast you away, you're not perfect in love. You don't understand the perfect love that God has for you. Verse 19. We love Him because He first loved us. You know why I'm so crazy in love with Jesus Christ? Because He touched me and loved me first. Okay, now let's turn to Romans chapter 5. We're going to be in Romans chapter 5 rest of the morning. I wanted to establish something about God's love. And that what I wanted to establish about God's love is that you can know He loves you because He died for you. And that's how we know. You say, well, how do you know God loves me? Because He died for you. He died for you on the cross. That's how you can know. It's so simple. And the Bible, I just read the verses. Did I not read three different verses where it says that's how you can know God loves you? It's manifested at the cross. The love that God has for you as a sinner was manifested at the cross on Golgotha. That's where Christ was, the love of God was manifested. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Well, when did He give His Son? He gave His Son when He gave it on the cross. That's when He gave, you, gave Him as a free gift to you so you could have salvation. 
Look at Romans chapter 5. We're going to be there at verse 5. Start at verse 5. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. You know how I know the Lord loves me? Because once I seen that love he had for me at the cross and I received Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit came in and started dwelling in me. And just like that verse says there in verse 5, he starts speaking to my heart how much he loves me. He starts speaking to my heart how much he loves me. I can feel the love of God. I can feel this weight. Uh, and some of, might have, some of y'all have been saved for so long you've forgotten what it was like to walk around in this world damned and going to hell. And when you're damned and going to hell and you got this dark cloud walking around and you just never feel restful, you never have that peace, you just always, and when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, man, it just feels so good. Amen. And that, that weight was lifted off to you that, and you felt the love of God come into you. And that's one of the most, when I have people that are down and out and have so much trouble, and Christians, that's one of the prayers I tell them to pray. And I'll pray with them, I'll say, Lord, I want you to speak to the heart how you feel about them. Lord, speak to the heart how you feel about them. And it never fails that they break down and they know they could feel the love of God as he puts their heart. Guys, the, the love of God is so wonderful. And we, we, we're so deep and we're so surrounded by the love of God, brothers and sisters, we forget how wonderful it is. And if we were to, if God was, God forbid, but if he was to take us out of that love and put us back over to where we were, we would, the, the fear that would come into our hearts and the dread and the terror. Guys, we've had it so good, we don't, we forgot how bad it really was. And that's what's going on in the world today. There are people, there are men and women walking around in terror and fear. Death is right there at their doorstep and they don't know what to do. And it's our job as Christians to wake them up to tell them, hey, there's good news. God loves you in Jesus Christ. God's not going to love you in Allah. God's not going to love you in your good works. God's not going to love you in religion. God loves you at the cross of Calvary. God loves you at Jesus Christ. God loves you at the blood of Jesus Christ. That's where the love is found. And so many people are trying to find it in meditation and trying to find it in all kinds of religions and different ways. And you're not going to find the love of God there. Did I not just read it to you? It's not manifested anywhere else but in Jesus Christ at the cross. You've got to find it there. You've got to find that love of God at the cross. If you go anywhere else, it's not going to be there. And man, to, 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 to wake up not knowing what tomorrow is going to bring. You got Sister Colleen, and you, y'all, y'all seen her in here, giving wonderful testimonies, knowing that the doctors told her she's got months to live. The doctors told her to her face, you've got months to live. And you see her in here, and does she look like she, got some, she has months to live? She knows in her heart, by the grace of God, that she's got a God that loves her and everything's going to be okay. And even if she takes her last breath in this old shell of a body that's cursed, she knows she's going to wake up in the arms of Jesus. That's only what you have in Jesus Christ through that love of God. God is love and God's love is manifested 
at the cross. It, we know we hereby we perceive that He gave His Son. That's when we perceive the love of God. It's at the cross. It's found nowhere else. And the reason why you might not be finding God's love is because you're looking for God's love in all the wrong places, like the country song says. Looking for love in all the wrong places. And you're not finding it. It's right there at the cross. It's only there at the cross through God's only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. I don't know why I'm hitting that. The Lord has it on my heart to keep hitting that, but I'm hitting it. Verse 6. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Oh, praise the Lord. Look, Jesus loves you enough to die for for you when you had no strength. No physical strength, no strength financially, no strength mentally. Jesus Christ died for you when you were had no strength, no strength physically. He died for you if you're blind and crippled and in poor health. The world sees a blind and a crippled and somebody in poor health, and to the world, they're pretty much useless. They're pretty much somebody we need to put to the side. They're pretty much somebody we need to put in a home. There's somebody we, we just need to, we kind of deal with them the best way. We, they're not worth anything to the world. Jesus Christ died for people like that. Amen. They have no strength. I was reading a story about this old preacher, and this is, of course, years ago, and he's preaching down at a Southern University. And he got to preaching, and he gave an altar call at this university. And the f- football players started coming down, and cheerleaders started coming down. And uh, the, the, the president of the, of the student association, he came down to the altar. It was a great altar call. And, and the preacher was up there with the president of the university. And about that time, he looks down the aisles, and here comes this old boy, and he's crawling crawling on his hands and knees. Just a pitiful sight. And that preacher's looking at that pitiful boy crawling down there and he turns to that president of the university. He said, what's wrong? He goes, he's crippled and helpless. That's about the only way he can get around is on his hands and knees. And and that preacher walked as that old boy crippled, helpless, crawled and crawled and crawled and got to the front and he says, preacher, God, I know God's got a place for these football players, and I know God's got a place for these cheerleaders and these beautiful girls, but does God got a place for somebody wrecked like me? And the old preacher said, God was looking for somebody just like you, brother. God is looking for the helpless. God's looking for the ones that don't have strength. God's looking for the blind, the crippled. That's our God. Our God is a God of love. He's looking for the people that have no hope. He's looking for the people that are in prison, that have done some rotten, awful things. That's who God is looking for. That's who Jesus Christ died for. He didn't die for the goody goods. He didn't die for everybody who could do something good for Him. Jesus Christ died for those that had no strength. He died for those with no strength financially. He died for the poor, for the broke, for those in debt. He died for those that couldn't give a dime. Man, I'm so sick and tired of it. Every time I talk to somebody about church or something, all those preachers want is your money. I'm so sick and tired of it. It's just about right up here. That's why we don't pass an offering plate. No excuses. If you come into this church, no excuses. You can't blame uh, denying God and Jesus Christ for money. God doesn't want your money. 
He died for the broke. He died for those that have no finances. He died for those that don't have a dime in their pocket. Look, if you don't have a dime in your pocket, God's going to give you something that's worth a million bucks. It's called eternal life. And he's going to give it to you, and he wants to give it to you. That's who Jesus Christ died for. He died for those with no strength physically. He died for those with no strength financially. He died for those with no strength mentally. Brother Raymond. He died for us suckers. I, I didn't uh, graduate high school. Just, just an old ignorant guy. I was just in uh, work the other day, just a couple of days ago. And uh, I, I was talking about somebody, and I said, yeah, me and Harry, blah, blah, blah. And the guy said, it's not me and Harry, it's Harry and I. Were you in there joking when he was doing that to me? He said, it's not, it's not me and Harry, it's Harry and I. He said, Harry and I. He said, speak proper English. And I started, I was like, okay, yeah. I, don't. I said, I'm stupid, man. I mean, I don't know how to speak English barely. And I'd be the first to admit, and I'd admit it from, I told him, I admit it from my pulpit all the time that I'm stupid and don't know how to speak English. But I'm just stupid enough, I'm, excuse me, I'm just smart enough to know I'm stupid. And you need to be that way. You need to be just smart enough to know that you don't have it all figured out. And there's some things you can't answer with science, with philosophy, that there's a God and he's working behind the scenes and there's nothing, there's stuff you can't see, there's stuff you can't perceive, there's stuff you can't taste, there's things going on behind the scenes spiritually that you just can't quite understand. Amen. It's called God. And men try to come up with all these different philosophies and ideas and theories to try to do away with God. But I'm just smart enough to know I'm stupid and said, you know what, I think I'll just take God and take him for what he says. Poor in education, poor in knowledge, poor in common sense. You need to be smart enough to know you're dumb. Praise the Lord for that. He didn't come for the, he didn't come for the highly educated. You know what I love so much about the story of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is his birth. Because that tells you everything you need to know about God and Jesus Christ is the story of his birth. Here's, here's God. Manifest in the flesh. And what does he do? He chooses to put himself into little Mary, a carpenter's wife that has no money. They're so broke that they go, they can't even find a room in the inn, so they have to go to a manger. Jesus Christ could have been born to a king. Jesus Christ could have been born to anybody that was fu fully, that's full of wealth and prestige, but God didn't choose that. God chose the working man. He chose a carpenter, just like me and you. He said, no, I choose him. You know, who, you know when, this great, when he was born, the great savior of the world, the greatest thing to ever happen in humanity, in time, when, that, when, when the creator of the universe was born in the flesh, you know who God chose to go tell this to? A bunch of old sheep, uh, farmers, sheep herders out there in the, in the middle of the night, just hanging out with their sheep. And the angels appear. Singing, hallelujah, the Savior is born. You better go to Jerusalem. You better go look at him in Bethlehem. You better go visit him. What did God chose the working man working the night shift to tell that to? Praise the Lord for that. Man, because see, when I turn on TV, it's always about the rich. 
and the famous and those that are so highly educated and you're so stupid, you don't understand. I've got three degrees. I'm a PhD, a TTT, a DDD, and all that, 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 and all those other letters. God doesn't care about that. He only cares about his son, Jesus Christ, and what have you done for him? Brother Packer, old crazy, crazy preacher there in Brownwood. He's an old pig farmer. He got rich. His uncle died, had a bunch of oil. He went from being a pig farmer to a millionaire overnight. Well, he took a bunch of his money, and he took about a million dollars, and he gave it to Howard Payne University. If you go by Howard Payne University, there's a building there, a big old building. It says Packer Administration Building. That's his building. He paid for him and his sister. They both gave a million dollars apiece for that. Well, if you give a million dollars apiece, you know what higher pain does? They let you come in and get to start sitting in on some of the meetings. <laughs> so here comes this old pig farmer, you know, Brother Packer. You got to know Brother Packer. He's a character, man. Way, way big. Is he not a character? But I mean, Brother Packer is a character. He comes in there, and Brother Packer tells me, I go into this meeting, and they have a, you have to sign in, you know. And he looks down there, and there's a list, and it says, Mr. Dr. Newman, PhD, TTD, DDD. And old brother Packer, he's like me. Just, he's, he never graduated high school. Just, just an old, just old country boy, stupid as, you know, dumb. So he sees all these names with all these lists of brother, brother Packer. He puts down a Reuben R. Packer, G-E-D. <laughs> uh... He told me that the president of the university was just whipping himself, laughing, slapping himself, laughing so hard. He said, I've never seen anything like that. That's, a, that's a great. That's how God says. All this stuff's foolishness to God. He died for us that have no strength financially. He died for us that have no strength mentally. He died for those that have no strength physically. He died for the poor and the drawn down. You know what I, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is? Jesus was a friend of sinners. Because I'm a sinner. I'm glad it didn't say Jesus was a friend of those that do righteous works. Because I don't do very many righteous works. He's a friend of sinners. He came and for which we were. Look at verse 6. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. He not only died for those that had no strength, he died for the ungodly. He died for those who are unholy, unrighteous, Unmerciful, no grace, no, not long-suffering. Everything that God is, that's what we're not. Amen. Guys, if you don't understand how far away you are from God, then you're not in your Bible. Because when you get to reading your Bible and studying your Bible, you start realizing, that's a holy God. He's very, very holy. He's very, very merciful. He's full of grace. And we're not. I read that story of Ahab, and the Bible says itself, this is the wickedest king that has ever ruled Israel. Wicked. Just killing people. His wife was a wicked Jezebel. Just horrible, wicked. And God says, okay, go tell, it tells Elijah, go down there and tell him he's going to die. Go, I'm killing him. Ahab goes and hears it from Elijah, goes and starts crying to God and humbles himself down. You know what God does? See how he humbled himself down? I'm not going to do it to him. Not right now. What? God, you just said he's the most wicked king ever. He's a wicked, he's a murderer. Kill him, God, kill him. That's us. That's how we would act. God's not like that. 
Our God's holy. God is love. And he defines what that love is. He died for the ungodly. You know, I was reading, oh, Dwight O. Moody had this lady in his church, and she came up to, me, to him, and she said, Mr. Moody, Pastor Moody, I've got to ask you a question. So you're telling me, somebody like me who grew up in church, who did good things for the church, who tries to live a good life, that I have, to, I have to, to come to God, I have to do the same thing that some poor criminal does? And Dwight Moody said, no, I didn't say that. God said that. God said it don't matter how many good works you do, how well educated you are, how much you come to church. Dwight Moody said, God said, you must be born again. You got to have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I was talking to a guy up there at that funeral. I worked with him for years and years at the city. This old man, he was over me, and he was an old man. I nicknamed him Lucifer. And I saw him up there at the city and started talking to him again. I had a chance to start witnessing to him about Jesus Christ. He said, now don't start in on that, Keegan. I, can, I tell you what. I said, well, I know I'm going to be up there. I said, what makes you think you're going to be up there? He said, well, I believe in God. Y'all know that's not going to work. So I said, Brent, the Bible says the devils believe and tremble with fear. He said, what? And he leaned down into me like this, and I said, the devils believe and tremble in fear. You need to know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Oh, you're starting on all that stuff. I can't believe you're shot. But hey, I told him, listen, all right. But don't ever say I didn't warn you. I don't want to get up there and you're standing before God and you look over there at me and you say, you didn't warn me. I said, you can't say it. I warned you. He got real quiet. And a couple minutes later, we got to talk about something else and he brought it up again. He said, and you have me going to hell. I don't have you going to hell. God has you going to hell. This ain't my job. I mean, this ain't my game. This ain't my rules. This ain't what God says. You must be born again. Amen. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. You've got to put your faith in Jesus Christ. You've got to call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't just say, I believe in God. You should believe in God unless you're a fool. The Bible says a fool believe, says in his heart there is no God. That's a fool. Anybody can believe in God. It's what God did for you on the cross. That's what you had to receive, that free gift. Died, God, uh, Jesus Christ, he died for the, for the weak, for the, he, those without strength. In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Verse 7, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. And there's all kinds of stories of people dying for each other. But usually they're good people. I just read one the other day where there was a, a, a boat, a ship, and it sank, and they were in this little bitty boat, and the boat was full, it was about to capsize, and this guy was swimming out there, and they could see him, and he was swimming to the boat, and there was no room for him, and one of the ladies in the boat says, that's my husband. And the captain of the boat just jumped out into the water, and that guy was able to climb in, and the last time they seen that captain, he was just swept away by the waves, and they never seen him again. Gave his life. 
the men that started the Salvation Army, when that boat was going down, there was only so many, this is back in the 1800, late 1800s, there was only so many life vests for the, for the ship as it was going down. And they're, they're saying that the men that worked for the Salvation Army, they came and they were giving their life vests to other men. And they said, why are you doing this? And those men at the Salvation Army said, because we can die better. We can die better. You know why they can die better? Because they know Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. And they went down and died. So there's men that'll die for the good. There's men, but how many do you know who are clamoring to go die for somebody who's in prison? The murderers. The rapists. The child molesters. Do you know anybody who's willing to die for them? Boy, it's getting quiet in here. There's somebody named Jesus Christ that was. Praise the Lord for that. That's who he died for. Look, for when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. <laughs> the problem is the world thinks they're godly. The world doesn't think they're ungodly. The world thinks they're self-righteous. And just like Brent told me, he says, I don't, he's, he told me when we were leaving, he goes, no matter what you think, I'll see you up there with the angels. And he just walked off. <laughs> I hope I do see him up there. You think I want to see somebody go to hell? He's a friend of mine. You think, I, you think I enjoy him mocking me and making fun of me when I try to talk to him about Jesus Christ? You enjoy, that's a friend of mine. I respect this man. And he's mocking me and making fun of me. Oh, you're so stupid. You know, you, and all I'm doing is just repeating what Jesus Christ said. Verse 8, But God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us amen. amen Jesus Christ didn't wait for you to get good Jesus Christ isn't waiting for you to start doing some good things Jesus Christ didn't wait for you to start going to church Jesus Christ didn't wait for you to start reading your Bible Jesus Christ is simply waiting for you to receive him amen. and take him as Lord and Savior that's all Jesus Christ is waiting for it's like old Chick, when Brother Chick, when he was lost and he said he was so wicked that the dog, when he'd come home, the dog would run and go hide underneath the house. The dog was afraid of him. And he was leaving the house to go gambling and go, go smoking and drinking. And he's leaving the house and his little boy was sitting there by the gate and he was about to walk out the gate and his little boy looked at him and said, Daddy, ain't you ever going to come to church? <laughs> I got on Chick, man. Old Chick couldn't take that. He said he got in his car, he started up and he started driving down the road. And all I could see is this little boy saying, Daddy, ain't you ever going to come to church? And old Chick, he said he started driving down the road, and he got a little further down the road, and he got a little further down the road, and he just pulled it over. <laughs> got out and got in that bar ditch, got down on his hands and knees, Lord Jesus Christ, and he got saved. <laughs> he said when he got saved, he came home, he said the dog came up to the gate to meet him. The dog could tell a difference in his master. He'd been saved. He had been born again. But God commendeth his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ didn't wait for us to get right to do some good work. Look at verse 12. Same chapter, verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin came into the world, that'd be Adam, and death by sin... And so death passed upon all men, underline it, all men, for that all 
have sinned. Everybody underneath the sound of my voice is a sinner. And you're one or two kinds of, you're either a sinner going to hell or you're a sinner saved by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You're one of those two. It's black and white. God is love. But flip that coin. And there's a God of wrath. Amen. Amen. Look, look. Look at the very next verse. Some of y'all might not be getting it. Verse 9. Chapter 5, verse 9. Much more than being now justified by his blood. That's at the cross, right? We shall be saved from wrath through him. I'm not making this stuff up. If you're saved, the word, the term, the biblical term is you're saved. Well, think about that. Meditate on that. If you're saved, that means you must be saved from something. You're saved from a burning house. You're saved from a sinking ship. You're saved from a devil's hell. You're saved from the wrath of God that abideth on you. And I have to read this stuff because people don't believe it. We live in such a, a weenie world that people don't, I could never think that God would hate them. Oh, God would never not like me. God's wrath's on you, and you can't find his love unless you go to Jesus Christ. Then there's all the love you want, but it's at the cross. Without the cross of Jesus Christ, you're on, God's wrath's on you. Look, I'm going to read this to you. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. John 3, 36. The greatest chapter in the Bible, John chapter 3. It's all about getting out of God's wrath. You're going to a devil's hell. You're already condemned. Don't get in your head that you will stand before God and say, Okay, God, I tried to live a good life. Are you going to judge me now? You're already condemned. Before you get up there, you're condemned. When you get up before God, that's a sentencing of going to hell. God's judgment there is not a judgment of, oh, if you've been good or bad. The judgment seat of, the judgment seat of God, the throne, the wrath of God, the, the great white throne judgment, that's when God says, okay, now I'm going to sentence you. John chapter 3, verse 18, he that believeth on him is not condemned. He that believeth not is condemned already. Those are the very words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So back in Romans chapter 5, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Through him is Jesus Christ. You're saved through Jesus Christ, and he saves you from the wrath to come and the wrath that's abiding on you. That wrath is God sending you to a devil's hell. It, hell was never meant for you. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. But because you will not receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, he has no choice. He's got to send you to a devil's hell. That's his, that's what he does, not me. Don't get mad at me. Get mad at the Bible. That's God. I'm just warning you. I'm warning you, but I'm giving you good news. That Jesus loves you if you've got no strength. Jesus died for you if you're ungodly. Jesus died for you while you're yet a sinner. See, those are, that's good news. That's the gospel. That he's doing all, yeah, you're wicked, yeah, you're a sinner, yeah, you're stupid, yeah, you might be crippled and blind and worthless, but God still loves you and he died for you and he wants you. Verse 10, for if when we were enemies, 
We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Jesus loves you enough to die for you while you're just an enemy, while you're still an enemy. Guys, that's, 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 that's just mind-blowing to me. That's mind-blowing to me that Jesus Christ loves you enough to die for you when you're his enemy. You know what enemy means, right? That means you're out to get him. Uh, you know, not being a friend is one thing. You say, well, he's not my friend. But when you say somebody's your enemy, that means they're out to hurt you. And you could be out to hurt Jesus Christ, and he still loves you enough to die for you. Amen. I mean, you're reading it with me, right? I love it. Man, I love it. I love every bit of it. I love every bit of it. Look at Luke chapter 23. We're going to close in Luke chapter 23, friends. Look at Luke chapter 23, and we're closing. And we're going to close right here. Luke chapter 23, verse 33. Luke chapter 23, verse 33. Jesus loves you enough to die for, for you when you have no strength. That's no strength physically, no strength financially, no strength mentally. Jesus loves you enough to die for you when you're ungodly. Jesus loves you enough to die for you when you're a sinner. Jesus loves you enough to die for you while you're his enemy. And that's what we're looking at in Luke chapter 23, verse 33. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Wow. See, I just read over that, but you realize what crucified means. That's one word, but that's a lot of pain. Yep. Taking the nails and shoving them in his hands, shoving them in his feet, putting him off a cross, hanging him up, bringing him up. Y'all know he'd been beat, he'd been whipped. Look, you can cuss Jesus Christ, you can spit on Jesus Christ, you can hate Jesus Christ, you can want to kill Jesus Christ, but he still loves you enough to die for you. And these people I see on TV, man, they mock us and they mock Jesus Christ and they laugh about him. And they laugh, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. Eh, you know, I, that one woman, blankety blank Jesus Christ. When she got that award, oh, Kathy Griffith or whatever her name was, she got that award for some stupid thing that they do up there in Hollywood. And she got that and she got on there and she said, blankety blank Jesus Christ. I can't even repeat what she said. And they, they're all in the audience. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. The wrath of God's on you. Amen. But he still loves her. And he still died for her. And if you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you might be living a good life. You might be highly educated. You might try to do everything that's right. But if you're not born again, if you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you're going to go to the same hell as that lady right there. I'm not the one that said it. I'm not the one that made the rules up. God's the one that done it. It's all about his son, Jesus Christ. There has never, and I'm going to close by saying this, there has never, ever been a greater love than the Jesus love for the strengthless, for the ungodly, for the sinner, for those who are his enemies. There's never been a greater love than the love he showed when he hung on the cross of Calvary.
Man. Look at verse 39. I got I to I say this and we get out of here. And one of the malefactors which was hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man had done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. You can be a murderer, a rapist, a child molester. You can be all these wicked, evil things the world hates. And they can hang you on a cross. They can put you in an electric chair. But if you're willing to receive Jesus Christ and call out to Him as your Lord and Savior, He will save you. Because that's who He died for. He died for men just like me. Sorry, no good, wicked. I had one of y'all, I know one of y'all came up to me the other day, I'm not going to mention names, and said, you, you talk about this, some of the stuff, you, you mentioned some of the stuff. She goes, I can't imagine you like that. I can't imagine you like that. Because you're seeing me in Jesus Christ. You're seeing me after Jesus Christ has had years to clean me up and live in me, and the Holy Spirit's worked on me. You're seeing a new creature in Jesus Christ. But before Jesus Christ got a hold of me, I was a wicked sinner dying and going to hell. And I sure do thank Jesus Christ that he's willing to die for me. And somebody, listen to me when closing, I'm going to say this. And somebody someplace, somewhere had the guts to tell me about Jesus Christ. And tell me I'm going to hell without him. We need more people. We need more brothers and sisters with some guts. Amen. That are willing to be embarrassed for Jesus Christ, willing to be shamed for Jesus Christ, and willing to stick their neck out for their Lord and Savior. Say, you know what? You need Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Backbone. The world is so yellow-bellied and coward and so thin-skinned. As Christians, we need to have some backbone. And be bold for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because I can tell you one thing, nobody else is. Nobody else is. We're the last of a few left in this world that are willing to stand up and say, He's my Lord and Savior. You need Him as your Lord and Savior. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Father, for loving us and taking care of us, Lord. And thank you for your love you give us at the cross of Calvary, Lord. We just humbly, just we don't even know how to, how to acknowledge it, Father. And Father, I just pray and... Uh, thank you, Lord, that you are willing to die for the ungodly, for the sinner, for those that have no strength, Lord, the, the, the poor, the weak, Lord, the, the weak-minded, Lord, the, the, those that are in debt, Lord, those that aren't good with their finances, the, Lord, those that are not good with their flesh, that have let their flesh, let them do some wicked, awful things, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you're willing to die for them and give them a way out of a devil's hell, Lord. Thank you for this love we don't understand, Father, but we do acknowledge it. And, Lord, we do praise you and give Jesus Christ all the honor and glory. And, Father, if there's somebody in the sound of my voice that's never received Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior, they can't say that they're born again, Father. As I give this invitation, Father, I just pray they'll come on down the aisle and they'll get saved. And I'm praying all this in the name of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. 
If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him